Well, hello again, I'm Tony Payne, and welcome to Two Ways News, to the first Two Ways News of 2023. Great to be with you again. Hope you had a great Christmas and a restful kind of New Year period. It's just me on deck this week. Philip's still off on holidays. He's up at CMS Summer School, I suspect, like most of the rest of Sydney evangelicalism. And so it falls to me to get behind the microphone and get this new year underway. Now, I'm wondering whether you're a New Year's resolution sort of person. I can't say I am, especially, but I do quite like that clearing the decks kind of sensation that comes with the first proper week of work each year. Usually in that week, and it's been this last week, I take a day or perhaps three to clear out the inbox from last year, to clear out all the bilge and unanswered messages, starting with the oldest one and then working my way forward. This year, the oldest message was from August 2021, which is almost a record even for me, and of course is disgraceful. It's a cleansing sort of experience, cleaning out the inbox, isn't it? There's a healthy degree of humiliation involved, as I apologise profusely to those people I should have replied to months ago. But there's also a nice sense of relief, I find, in other cases, where the subject matter is now so kind of old and overtaken by events that there's no point replying, and so you can just press delete. And let me publicly say, I'm sorry if that was you. It's also that time of year when I take a look at my daily and weekly routines and habits and wonder if I should give them a tweak. My daily work patterns, the fantasies of how much exercise I'll do, how much reading I'll fit in, and of course, my devotional habits. I usually start a new prayer and Bible reading regime each January, because a year seems to be about the limit I can keep any one system going before it falls into ruin. I've found that if I give my prayer and Bible reading system a major tweak or makeover each January, it keeps me going for most of the following year until I start all over again the following January. You might be thinking that maybe I am a New Year's resolution sort of person, given all these kind of tweaks. But I like to think of myself more as a New Year's repentance kind of person. I know that whatever new plans that I embark on this year will, at best, probably only half work, and then will almost inevitably fall apart. And so rather than unrealistically dreaming that I will suddenly become a different person, an incredibly disciplined machine who follows through diligently on every plan. I've been thinking it's much better to recognise the inevitability of failure and to be ready to pick myself up and repent and start again when that happens. Which brings me to John Calvin and the fundamental nature of the Christian life. And I bet you saw that coming. In the Institutes, Calvin suggests that repentance is the centre and some of the Christian life. Now, we might be tempted to say, well, hang on, isn't faith the centre of the Christian life? And Calvin would agree with that, of course. Faith does come first, he says. We come to trust and rely on God as he comes to us in the gospel and in his Son. And we're united to Christ by his Spirit. But what this faith in Christ immediately leads us to do, and never stops leading us to do, is to repent. Here's how he puts it in Book 3, Chapter 3. He says, For since pardon and forgiveness are offered through the preaching of the gospel, in order that the sinner, freed from the tyranny of Satan, the yoke of sin, 
and the miserable bondage of vices may cross over into the kingdom of God, surely no one can embrace the grace of the gospel without betaking himself from the errors of his past life into the right way and applying his whole effort to the practice of repentance. And then interestingly and quite brilliantly, I think, Calvin understands repentance as being about both regeneration and self-denial. Because from God's side, our repentance, our everyday repenting, is the everyday progress of his work of regeneration in our lives. We're not just born again or regenerated or made new once at the beginning of our Christian lives, says Calvin, but constantly, day by day, the Spirit not only gives us faith in Christ, but he leads us to keep killing off the vestiges and habits of our old man and clothing ourselves in the new man, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creators, Colossians 3 says. Or if we were going to put it more in the imagery of Galatians 5, we'd say that we're in a ceaseless battle to fight off the desires of the flesh and instead to follow in the footsteps of the Spirit, thus bearing the spiritual fruit that Christ has set us free to produce. So repentance is the constant ongoing regeneration and renewal of our lives by faith in Christ. But repentance is also self-denial, says Calvin, because to turn to God is to turn away from our own sinful, perverse, self-centered selves. In fact, Calvin goes so far as to call self-denial the sum of the Christian life. Is that how you'd summarize your Christian life as you start a new year? Self-denial? Not sure I would. But the texts that Calvin cites here are fascinating. In talking about self-denial, I guess we'd expect him to go straight to the famous chapter in Mark 8, to deny ourselves and take up our cross and follow Jesus. And he does get to that text eventually. But he begins this section on self-denial with Romans chapter 12 and 1 Corinthians 6. That is, by the mercies of God, we are to present our bodies as a living sacrifice to God, which is the path to spiritual transformation and worship. And our bodies are not our own. They were bought with a price. And so we should glorify God with our bodies, since through the gospel we've now come to see the truth, that our whole bodies and selves belong to God and not us. And this is what self-denial really is, according to Calvin. It's realizing the truth about who we are and turning our backs on the self-centered, self-ruling, self-concerned individual we used to be. There's lots of juicy quotes in this section, and here's a particularly good one. Calvin says, This is also evidence of great progress that, almost forgetful of ourselves, Surely subordinating our self-concern, we try faithfully to devote our zeal to God and his commandments. For when scripture bids us leave off self-concern, it not only erases from our minds the yearning to possess, the desire for power, and the favour of men, but it also uproots ambition and all craving for human glory and other more secret plagues. That's from Book 3, Chapter 7, Part 1. 
There's some telling phrases in that quote. The yearning to possess and the favour of men. Those two in particular get me where it hurts. And I don't even want to think about those other more secret plagues. Of course, self-denial, while being the centre of the Christian life, is also the ultimate modern blasphemy, I guess you'd say. Because the supreme deity of the Western world is the liberated, autonomous self. As many people have noted and written, uh, including Carl Truman in his recent well-known book, The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self, the contemporary Western world has given its own kind of perverse twist to what has always been the impulse of humanity to pursue the satisfaction and fulfilment of the self in terms determined by the self, by its own feelings and thoughts and instincts and desires. What are New Year's resolutions really about anyway, except being an annual renewal of the most important project of our lives, which is the progress of ourselves? What could I change this year to improve and satisfy in whatever new way I can, my own precious self? How could I be a better and more productive me? Self-denial is a rejection of all this, of this whole silly and doomed project. It's a raspberry blown at the false god of the self. And the wonderful thing is, by blaspheming and rejecting the supremacy of self, I actually discover who I really am as a creature and servant of the living and true God. I'm set free to be a giver and not a taker, to be a lover and not a hater, I suppose you'd say. To be a person who doesn't foolishly seek to craft and establish my own identity and purposes, but discovers my identity as it's given to me by God and the people he puts me in relationship with. The killing of the sovereign self is the path to genuine freedom. We rise on stepping stones of our dead selves to higher things, as the quote says, which I think is originally from Tennyson, but which I got from reading too much Bertie Wooster. Now, the modern world, of course, doesn't like self-denial. It has its own rejoinder to self-denial. It likes to cast it as a kind of pinched and joyless kind of thing, a rejection of pleasure and joy and spontaneity and individuality. I think of Blackadder's puritanical aunt, Lady Whiteadder, who dresses like a monk and eats only turnips and regards alcoholic drink as urine from the last leper in hell. That's how modern culture likes to characterise self-denial. It's a caricature, of course, a misleading one, a kind of desperate caricature in a way. Because the self worries, it's anxious that by being tipped off its throne, by having to deny itself, that it will lose its dignity or uniqueness. But this is the strange thing about modern people and about the modern self. Because it really is impossible for us to craft and maintain a sovereign individual identity or self. We were never created to do this and we don't have the capacity to do it. And so we end up not only submitting ourselves to all kinds of indignities in the foolish quest to be ourselves, but we also find refuge in communal identities and cliches in order to create an impressive me, a self that other people will approve of. 
These days, the truly self-directed individualist who charts their own course in the face of all the various cultural orthodoxies, well, that's the person who ends up being cancelled. Now, of course, we are all different and unique, that's certainly true, but the essence of our uniqueness or individuality, there's a very modern word, is that God made each one of us and every one of us and sees and knows each one of us for the particular person we are. Now, Psalm 139 describes this really beautifully, how God has searched us and known us completely and comprehensively from the first moment he knitted us together in our mother's womb to the farthest reaches of creation to which we might travel to the very end of our days, all of which, every day, is already written in his book. When the psalmist says at the end of all this, how precious are your thoughts to me, O God, how vast is the sum of them, I think he's rejoicing in the fact that his own life is one of the thoughts of God. So what shall we repent of this year, in 2023? The answer is the same every year. It's ourselves. Psalm 139 concludes by saying, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Well, there are some thoughts on self-denial and repentance to kick off 2023, and I hope you found them encouraging. What better way, in a sense, to start the new year than to start with the gospel itself, the gospel of Jesus that calls us to deny ourselves, to say no to our foolish self-centered rebellion, and to turn to Jesus, to go with him to the cross, and to start a whole new life in his service rather than our own. I pray that 2023 is that kind of year for you in which you turn to him and find the joy and the good fruit that comes from doing that. As always, please feel free to get in touch and share your thoughts about these matters to let us know what you're thinking of repenting of in 2023, perhaps. It's been great to hear from some of you even over the Christmas and New Year period, and it's lovely to receive your emails. Just send me an email at tonyjpain at me.com. Well, great to be back with you again here on Two Ways News. Look forward to talking with you again next week. I'm Tony Payne. Bye for now.